Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by these great sponsors. Axon started out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. Imagine having 100 years of tire and wheel knowledge in your back pocket the next time you sell a piece of ag equipment. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Valley Transportation. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransinc.com for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. This podcast is also brought to you by AgDirect. No matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Mark is Sean Hackett. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire, helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. Also, Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 for all your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy your ag equipment from a dealer auction or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. Sean is with Hackett Financial out of Boca Raton, Florida, and nice enough to come on a couple of times a week to talk about what's happening in the marketplace. So, Sean, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. I'm uh, uh, enjoying life and looking forward to a really exciting year for ag prices and volatility and weather, and think that we're going to have a lot of good things on your show that we can uh, help your listeners follow and, and make decisions on. So yeah, there's uh there's there's no no lack of things to talk about. So you put out a report over the weekend and you were talking about the melt up in prices and ag prices. And we saw a melt up in ag prices yesterday. So I guess you take a look at what's going on there, kind of explain what you mean by that and uh kind of what you're seeing right now going through this first quarter of, of 2022, I guess now. Well <clears throat> which we're monitoring all you know these different indicators. One was the all cash commodity index broke out to an all-time new high over the past two weeks, higher than 2012. Um, so that's a first sign that we could be in one of these melt-up phases. Then the all ag cash commodity index um, also broke out to all-time new highs this past week, confirming the all commodities. Um, open interest, we look at the 28 most widely traded commodities in the world and look at open interest. That open interest tends to rise when capital is coming in and it tends to shrink when capital is coming out. We've noticed a big, big surge in open interest in the last two weeks, suggesting capital is coming back in to the commodity complex, which would support these breakouts. And lastly, we know that the Brazilian real is the most correlated currency to the ag price trend, meaning when the real is rising, ag prices are rising. And when it's falling, typically ag prices are falling, given the importance of Brazil and exports and such forth and so on. And we were seeing the real starting to break out of a long-term base um, and turning up, which has been part of our forecast. Um, so we everything says to us that we could be developing some kind of a, you know, first half 
crescendo, supply squeeze. We have a lot of markets, Casey, in backwardation where the fronts are higher than the deferreds because of supply shortages. It just looks to me when you look at weather, geopolitics, and you know, we, we, we could be just setting up for one of these kind of melt-up phases like what happened in 2008, what happened in 2012. You get these big, big surges before maybe we put in some kind of important highs for a while. As you know, Casey, we've been talking about this spring of 22 as a potential period for blow-off tops. It sure looks like we're on our we're, everything we're seeing says we're on the path to that forecast, which we made a year and a half ago, by the way. Um, so we like the prospects for that trade to happen. And so as a producer, it's time for you to get really clear about what you need to do and how you need to do it. Because selling correctly leading into this spring period, this melt-up phase is going to be really important to how profitable you're going to be over the next one to two years. So okay. All right. So Let's let's talk about what happened yesterday in the marketplace. So we had a fairly choppy uh, week last week, and then this week, I mean, we had things just take off and run. Um, I mean, get beans are up over twenty cents. You had coin that was up over seven cents. You had just a lot of different things going on. We started looking at the overall marketplace. What were some of the factors you saw there um, to make the wheat, corn, and soybean marketplaces just take off and run? Well, I mean, uh, soybeans have been the star, and it's really been about South American weather. We know that the extreme drought in southern Brazil, where they grow half the soybeans, burned up. They just burned up. Now, of course, the the the, the central and central west, they've had pretty good weather. But when you when you put the two together, a one forty four million metric ton crop is been downgraded by private estimates between to be around one twenty five to one thirty. That's still a good crop, by the way. It's not like that's horrendous, but it's way off from what was originally anticipated. Now, we're looking at some excessive rainfall coming into central, central West Brazil uh, for an extended period of time. So remember, they're trying to harvest the soybeans now in that area. So you get a lot of wetness. I'm trying to remember when this was, 2015, we had extreme flooding in Brazil, in the central West. And they couldn't get the crop out and it was underwater. And we had a big downgrade in yields in that area uh, due to a late season flood. We're not at, we're not there yet, Casey. We're not at that point yet, but we, you know, the market is additional work. What, what if it keeps raining like that? Maybe the crop that was super good turned out to be not super good. Uh, and now remember what we're also trying to do. We're trying to plant second crop corn in behind. Well, you know, last time I checked, trying to plant corn in flooding conditions is not, Ideal. Now, remember, we've gotten off to a fast start uh, uh, with the corn plantings, but it gets really, really slow. And that's the big 7% of the corn crop comes from second crop corn in Brazil. You throw that, now now, now we're getting a reemergence of drought and dryness and heat in Argentina, where they got some of those rains in the last few weeks. Just a lot of weather worry, Casey. Um, and that, that keeps the market on edge. It keeps the market worried about these supply shortages um, and so that's really what's starting to bring, you know, some buying now into the corn market a little more than uh, uh, is this worry over these things. So I don't really see this weather, this weather scenario uh, ebbing right now. I think it's going to still be on the table and the market's going to have to continue to try to figure out, has it priced it all in or not? Right now, I don't think you, I don't think you can say for sure that it has because we're still emerging. So, yep. All right. Let's talk about what's going on over in the uh, 
the protein market over there, beef and hogs, you take a look what's there. Um, beef, beef prices have, have really tightened over the last couple of weeks. Um, those margins, you still have good margins, those kind of things like that, but the, the prices are starting to kind of firm up a little bit. You don't see these wild swings up and wild swings down. You're starting to see some kind of stuff kind of, kind of standardized there in the middle. As you look at what's going on, what, what are your thoughts there and looking forward through this, uh, this calving season going into the spring, what are your thoughts there? Well, we've already talked, I believe, you know, about how we have just a substantially lower right. amount of animals for cattle and for hogs that are definitely going to keep production compressed. Um, and, and that's bullish. The, but for cattle specifically, remember that a lot of the lower end beef comes from Australia that we import comes from New Zealand that we import. Um, and we know that you know, we've had, we had, you know, we had this huge, we're in the midst of a huge herd rebuilding effort in Australia post their drought. So the imports of available beef coming from Australia is way down on top of it. You know, uh, New Zealand usually liquidates a lot of dairy cattle that sells to us for imported beef. And, you know, they're, Prices are very high. The profitability is very high, and their herd is—you know—they're just not liquidating to the degree that they normally would be. At the same time, um, our exports—you know—just off the charts right now. Just really, really strong exports of higher quality beef heading out of the country. So you just throw all that in, Casey. That we just don't have a lot of supply to, and with with the lack of those imports, we rely. I don't think people realize how much we rely on those imports to kind of keep the, uh, you know, the beef food chain going. And so when I look at everything, unless, you know, unless we get into some kind of a really nut nasty recession that really knocks down, you know, domestic beef demand, it's, I, we feel that we are going to be dealing with bidding up for animals and the packing houses who have been in control for the last several years, because there's been excess animals, herd liquidation, um, it's going to be exactly the opposite. Now you're going to have these guys bidding up, trying to bring these animals in. There's just not enough of them. So uh, right now we were pretty positive that the that the cattle price is starting to catch up to the beef price. As you know, it's been strong for a while. And it looks to me like the cattle producer is finally going to be in the driver's seat to command a price that actually can make him a profit on the farm. Okay. So this kind of the hog thing that we have going on here and as you take a look what's going on there i mean hog prices are kind of fluctuating back and forth you see some some gains and then you see some losses and then there's you know these huge swings like one week way up one week way down back and forth so on and so forth um but there's been a February's kind of been a, a pretty decent month for hogs so far i guess as you take a look what's going on there and then couple that with um you know this whole trade commission thing that we're trying to figure out with the phase one thing with china and they're not coming to the table to buy as much as they were. They're still buying stuff, but it's nothing like they were at record pace. What are your thoughts there? Well, I mean, we thought, you know, that, that a, a more bullish environment for hogs would wait until the second quarter um, because we didn't, we thought that's when Chinese demand would come back, but it, it's becoming much more clear now that the lack of herd rebuild in the United States Um. And by the way, the lack of herd rebuild anywhere uh, in the world because of the uh, African swine fever and all that sort of thing in Asia, um, that that the demand that we have for pork, which is you know relatively cheap meat relative to beef, 
The demand remains very, very strong domestically. Our exports, despite the, the lack of Chinese demand, we've been able to find a lot of replacement demand from others. Um, and we just not, re- and the herd is at the lowest level in five years, Casey. So it just, it's, it's caused a bit in the market, a shortage in the market, even without Chinese demand. Uh, so that's something that um, you know, we started turning, we started turning a little more friendly, as you know, this market, you know, several weeks ago. And it looks to me like this move higher has begun early. And if the Chinese come into the market, like we think they are in the, in, in the second quarter, not because of the phase one deal, because they need to buy pork. Because we keep, we keep saying, and, and we're going to reiterate, they're going to buy what they need, right. not what they're forced to buy. I don't know. The hog market looks pretty good to us heading into the second quarter, Casey. It looks like it could be uh, a pretty uh, good environment for hog producers and, uh, and some pretty good period for profitability. So you definitely need to be looking at you know, your selling and cash marketing opportunities as a hog producer. You, know, you could be looking at a pretty good period to monetize some pretty good equity into your business. So we like what we're seeing in hogs. Well, the whole livestock sector, the whole animal sector looks good to us, Casey. Lack of supply, good demand good exports, and the world saying we, we want to put you all out of business says, kind of like the crude oil business, says that that's an environment for higher prices. So, right on. Okay. Well, make sure you turn back in here Thursday when Sean talks about what's going on in the soft markets as well as the energy markets. So, Sean, appreciate you being on the podcast. Folks want to reach out to you and get more information about what you're doing at Hackett Financial. What's the best way to do that? Our website is Hackett, H-A-C-K-E-T-T, advisors.com. Lots of information on there to inform your listeners about what we do to see if we could be of service to your listeners. I appreciate you being on the podcast this morning. Thanks, Casey. Keep doing your great work. We need you. All right. Somebody needs me. That's good. So (laughs) I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's where you find the latest editions of the Moving Iron Podcast. Also go to movingironllc.com for everything Moving Iron related, as well as the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee, September 6th, 7th, and 8th. If you're interested in doing that, uh, check that out. Uh, Send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I'll get you all the information that you need there. So uh, basically, if you're you're in the sales side of a a dealership and you want to meet other people that are in the sales side of the dealership, and get some good information from guys like Sean that are going to give a little more in-depth dive to what they talk about here on the podcast. It's a great place to go check that out. So give me give me an email at movingironpodcast, movingironpodcast.com, or go to movingironllc.com for all the information about the Moving Iron Summit. So with that, I'm Casey Seymour with Sean Hackett. Let's go and smile, folks. Out. Axon Tire is going to have more tips, tricks, and client advice throughout the year and in September at the Moving Iron Summit in Nashville. If you're looking to sign up for the event, please head over to movingironllc.com. We hope to see you there. Valley Transportation has been hauling ag and construction equipment across the country for the past 33 years. Call Parker at 800-657-4910 or go to valleytransitinc.com for all of your trucking needs. At Valley Transportation, our goal is to help you reach yours. And no matter how you buy ag equipment from a dealer, auction, or a private party, AgDirect can help you finance it. You can even apply online at agdirect.com. Learn more about your financing options at agdirect.com. In the 21st century Hard-working people Working hard for you and me Moving higher Time and time again Through the years you'll find a seat